lot to cover from Wednesday's action in fantasy baseball, including a bunch of pitchers that nobody wants on their team but might be forced to roster. Welcome to the show. It's an Adam and Kreeth show as Heath Cummings and Chris Towers are in Fort Lauderdale. I am in New York, and we are rocking and rolling here. Actually, like literally rocking and rolling. We had a nice music discussion before the show. We won't bore you with that, although it was really great. You should want to hear it. Anyway, uh, hey guys, what was the what was the thing that really stood out to you? Knocked your fantasy baseball socks off yesterday. Uh, how, how predictable was it that uh, Kyle Hendricks was good in cores yesterday? <laughs> Lackey the day before. Only Arietta. Yeah. You know, no, it's it's fantastic. It's it's great. Pitching is really predictable, and that's what makes it so valuable. It's really frustrating that you did not really get the production that you wanted from your Cubs in their three-game set at Coors Field. Uh, no, they they stunk. And they sat a lot of guys, too, because they had the doubleheader. Uh, like Rizzo, did he play two games or three games? I know he sat yesterday. Their lineup was terrible yesterday. And, uh, that's part of a reason why Herman Marquez had such a great start, but I, I am pretty interested in him. I want to talk about him. Heath, uh, what knocked your fantasy baseball socks off? I'm gonna to try to be more positive, and I'm gonna say- That was positive. I was praising Aaron Altair. Ah. Just crushing baseballs, two more home runs, batting average over 350 now. We've written about him in waiver wire like seven times in the last week and a half, and I, last I looked, he was still 33% owned. 39 uh, now. Probably needs to be higher owned. I cannot imagine that Howie Kendrick or Michael Saunders is going to start taking playing time from Altair anytime soon. No, no chance. Well, I shouldn't say no chance, but yeah, I think you're right on that. Altair now 39% owned with two more home runs, and a, a, as he'd mentioned, 351 batting average, and he had an 827 OPS in 2015. My issue with Altair was like I was looking at him in our podcast league, and I wouldn't have got him. He was claimed yesterday, finally. But I either had to drop Byron Buxton or Michael Franco, and you know I think that's that's just what it is right now. It's like I I see, and this is a bit of an issue for me as I script the shows. See these hitters having big weeks, having big two week stretches, like Danny Valencia that we're we're going to talk about a little bit later, um, and. I can make a case to own all of them, but I just think hitting is very deep. And if there's a pitcher that goes out and has a great performance, my eyes light up, and that's the guy I want to pick up. If there's a hitter that goes out and has a great performance, I'm probably going to have to make a difficult roster decision about who to drop to pick him up. But that's like kind of the the nature of the beast, right? Like one big hitting performance isn't is inherently less meaningful than one big pitching performance. I shouldn't have gone there then. If there's a No, 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 but 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 that's what I'm saying is that like we look at because you only get 32 starts, if you have 3 good starts in a row, that's 10% of your season and we put a lot more weight on that whereas you need 16 games from a hitter. Okay, to fine. have the same. Th- then let's take a 16 game stretch for a hitter like Aaron Altair. It's been a while now, and I was I, I didn't pick him up. I think a lot of people left him out on waivers. There's a got there's got to be a reason for that. It's not just well small sample. It's also think about all your rosters right now. You probably other than your really deep leagues, you probably would have to make a tough roster decision to to add Aaron Altair. Uh, that, at least that's the case for me. Whereas if there was a pitcher out there that I really wanted. It would be easy to swap a crappy pitcher because I got a lot of them. You know, I mean, yeah. 
You you know what I'm saying? It's, yeah, and yeah. I and I'm encouraged by Byron Buxton over the last week and a half or so, but I would rather have Altair right now. Well, sure. it, it depends if I'm starting or or, or stashing. You know, for me anyway, because I would rather start Altair right now. But if I'm just stashing for the future, I'm I'm keeping Buxton. But how about you? Like, who's got a more, who's got more upside this year? This year, when you add, like, when you say if you you say who has more upside, it's really easy to just say Buxton first. Yeah. When you add the this year qualifier, I think it becomes a little bit more difficult, and I think it's much much closer. Okay. Yeah. All right. So look, Altair's under owned. Still, thirty nine percent owned. But you wouldn't drop someone like Michael Franco for him, would you? Not Franco, no. No. Yeah. Uh, I probably would have dropped Jose Bautista for him before last night. Would that, would last night have changed that? I mean, look, they, they knocked around Danny Salazar and, and the bullpen a little bit and scored, I think, what, eight runs? Eight to seven win, I think. And, uh, he hit a three run homer. So yeah, like, I'm kind of sitting there glad that I was able to pick up Jose Bautista, but he, he could have another 0 for 10 after this. It doesn't mean anything going forward, does it? Um, I, it makes me hold on to him for another day if I hadn't dropped him yet, for sure. Yeah. Maybe for another, maybe till the end of the week. Alright guys, look, today on the show, Trey Turner, Anthony Rizzo, Carlos Gonzalez, Andrew McCutcheon, Jason Kipnis, Alex Bregman. These are a few of my least favorite players so far. They have been bad, they have been disappointing, and we're gonna talk about them. And honestly, there were a lot more I could add to the list. It's just, that's gonna happen, you know, we're six weeks, five, six weeks into the season, there are some underperformers. So we'll talk about them, uh, we'll talk about Danny Salazar, Armand Marquez, as I mentioned, Kenta Maeda had his longest start in the major leagues, bullpen stuff, Familia was terrible, Senwan O. Senwan O has not been as good as Trevor Rosenthal, just saying. Uh, Neftali Feliz, Cody Allen, Derek Law, Derek Law, like already may have lost not necessarily lost his job, but Bruce Bochy said he's going to mix it up with his closers. Also, D. Gordon's been batting ninth. Shinsu Chu has led off two straight games, and we have some eligibility alerts and uh, minor leaguers you should keep in mind. But, hey, real quick, is Buster Posey one of the most valuable players in fantasy right now, given the state of catcher? Is Buster Posey one of the most valuable players in fantasy right now? If he hits like this, he is. Now, I would expect this is a hot streak for Buster Posey. He will... He's been my number one catcher always. I think he's everybody's number one catcher, yes. and we all expect him to be good. But he kind of looks like he's on a tier of his own right now. Right. Yes. Jonathan LaCroix being so bad makes Buster Posey more valuable. And Buster Posey being good. Like, that. that's really—it's it's not just that. It's Buster Posey's hitting for more power. He's striking out less. He's having a very good start to the season, and I don't know if that was true a week ago. <laughs> Yeah, that's the thing. He, he said Buster Posey has homered in three straight games all at the Mets, and he loves hitting there, he said. He loves the batter's eye, and he just has good numbers in New York. So before this hot stretch, right now he has a OPS over a 1,000 with five home runs. F- four games ago, he was still batting three fifty six, but he only had two home runs and five runs batted in. Uh, and he entered yesterday with a 380 BABIP. This is Buster Posey. But you know what? Like we can we can dissect the streak at all. Bottom line is this guy finishes as a top two catcher every single year. Yep. And catcher stinks right now. So I feel like acquiring a catcher in trade would not be a bad idea if it's one of the top three. But because Lucroy, you could get so cheap. Uh, for, I, you tell for me a reason right now. No, I, I I would absolutely buy low on Lucroy. I sure. I don't see anything that 
makes me think he's just turned into a bad hitter. Yeah. Uh, I still, so I don't know. Okay. Going into the season, Chris, you were, you were kind of different on the catchers. Yep. What do you think about it now? Cause do you, do you buy into the theory that they're just, that it's a top heavy position? Um, in that if you have like a pencil with like a big one big weight at the top, it's a top heavy pencil. <laughs> what about Gary Sanchez? We should include him in this discussion. He's been fine when he's played. Um, the power hasn't been there so far, but you know, there were questions about how much the power would translate. And I think that's why, um, he wasn't quite drafted where Posey was, but I, I just, if you if you have Posey, that's a great thing. But other than that, it just it's hard to justify investing a lot in that position. Why did I put that in? Hey, real quick. I knew I wanted to talk more about it because I thought it was an important topic. I put it in. <laughs> hey, real quick. This one can really be. Hey, real quick. Hey, real quick, guys. This isn't that quick. Runners on first and second last night. One run game. Bottom of the ninth. The Nationals are trailing. They have runners on first and second. Down by one. Brad Brock gives up a base hit. Bryce Harper advances to third, does not score, stays there to load the bases. So now the Nationals have the bases loaded against their, what is it, their Beltway rival. Okay. And I see Manny Machado and Bryce Harper yakking it up, fraternizing at third base. Bases loaded. Game tying run at third. Game winning run at second. One pitch later, both of those runners would score, and the Orioles would lose in walk-off fashion. Manny Machado's just chatting it up, laughing it up with Bryce Harper. I was bothered by it. Adam, I'm going to pull the curtain back here and uh, expose the the man behind the curtain here. Um, Baseball players and professional athletes do not live and die with the results of each game the way fans do. Come on. At the bottom of the ninth in a one-run game with the bases loaded? Like, get your intent, like, get your intensity level up, my friend. That is not a time to be the, chatting. It's the thing about baseball is, I don't know how much intensity you need to score from third. <laughs> no, it's more of a I don't know how much intensity you need to catch a ground ball. But come on, get in the game. If like, you were a fan, you wouldn't be, you wouldn't be laughing, joking around. You'd be in, on the edge of your seat. This is a huge moment between two first place teams. Again, it would depend because, on how many beers I had. And also because fans are much more emotionally invested in the results of individual games. Well, that's a bad thing. Like I, like I, it's not. It's a good thing. No, I do. Thing. Want, and I disagree with that, by the way. It's a very good thing that fans are very invested because without that, we wouldn't have it Sports. would be really bad if Bryce Harper and Manny Machado were like living and dying with the results of every single game in May. It would be really bad if anybody that would be were really living and dying. Unhealthy for it, them. It, for anyone, not just for those two baseball players, to, to live and die with the results of a May game. I, I didn't like it. Okay, that was real quick. Wednesday's standouts. I love getting the last word, by the way, because you know I'm the host. <laughs> Uh, Danny Salazar stunk it up, but now he has a 5.20 ERA and a 1.57 WHIP. He has a 14.14 ERA in the first inning. How concerned are we about Daniel Salazar? Really, start Andrew Miller. Weird. <laughs> uh, Salazar's velocity was down a lot from his last start, but his last start was up quite a bit, so I don't know how much that really matters, but it was his lowest velocity of the year. 
he has had some bad luck this year in terms of batted ball data. I'm, I don't know what, like, I can be concerned. I can be mad. I got, I saw plenty of angry Salazar tweets last night. There's oh, yeah. nothing you're going to do about it. You're starting him next week. <laughs> well, it is what it is. Yeah. Did we glean any new information from Danny Salazar either yesterday or so far this season? No, but if you were hoping that this was going to be... Or has he been Danny Salazar? Well, if you were hoping this was going to be his breakout season based on what Salazar did in the first half of last year before he got hurt, I think you're probably dialing it back a little bit, or a lot. He's he's a, I, th- I think he's a little Michael Pineda-y. He's got one start next week, and I think it's against Tampa Bay. It's yeah. a must start. Yeah. Yeah. If not, it's at Houston. But either way, I'm starting him. I, mm-hmm. I'm starting him. Uh, would you rather have Julio Arias or Danny Salazar? Chris Towers, top Danny 30. Danny Salazar. Okay. Salazar. Uh, Kenta Maeda. Would you rather Kenta Maeda or Danny Salazar? He was, Maeda was great last night. Salazar. I'll say Salazar, but, uh, I was very encouraged by Maeda and... What, what did I tell you yesterday? You didn't tell me anything yesterday. I was talking to Adam and the listeners. What did you tell me? Nobody, that if Yasmani Grandal is catching, ah. Kent is going to pitch well. I heard something interesting on the broadcast last night. Uh, I, I had some good good TV last night. First of all, very fun finishes around baseball yesterday, especially in – I didn't watch the end of the Mets game. I kind of like saw on Twitter something about Familia. What? What the hell happened? But uh, the Indians, Blue Jays ended in a walk-off, Nationals, Orioles. And I watched two episodes of Better Call Saul, so it was a good night. But then late at night – I watched uh, this Dodgers game, and I guess Nomar Garcia-Para does pregame analysis for them, and they he the broadcasters mentioned that Nomar said that it didn't look like Maeda had late movement on his pitches earlier in the season, but last night he did. I mean, they have Oral Hershiser as their play-by-play guy, and basically anything he says is gospel to me. He's the best, um, and he was very impressed with Maeda. And that's just not, like I don't know what to make of that. Is he going to have late movement on his pitches next time out? I don't know, but he certainly did last night. He was uh, he was awesome. Five strikeouts, but he's got a strikeout printing this year. Uh, yeah. Anything else to say about uh, Kenta Maeda? Five earned runs in his last three starts. I'm I'm feeling much better. Okay, good. Hooray! But you said Salazar over Maeda. Yep. Yes. Arias or Maeda? Maeda. Maeda. Stroman or Maeda? I'd probably go Stroman in points, Maeda and Roto. That makes sense. Stroman's going to throw more innings, I would say. Aaron Altair we talked about. I do want to talk about Armand Marquez. I'm not sure if you guys watched this game, but he looked really good. Like Good velocity, good breaking pitches. I probably caught Marquez on like maybe the best, what will be the best start of his career. Eight scoreless innings, three hits, one walk, eight strikeouts against the Cubs. A a uh, stripped-down Cubs lineup. By the way, uh, Rizzo played both games of the doubleheader on Tuesday. He sat yesterday. But I, the only thing I'll take away from this is that Marquez is 6% owned. He's made only one road start this year, and it was six scoreless innings with eight strikeouts at Arizona. This might be a guy that you can stream in a in a one-start road week, a, a one-start on-the-road week, Armand Marquez. Aren't the Rockies weird? Yes. Like, do you remember coming into the, do you remember last year? Like, Tyler Chatwood and Tyler Anderson and John Gray. And... The, well, the, the Rockies have good pitching. It's weird and it's not going to show up in their ERAs and it's hard to be excited about Herman Marquez or Antonio Senzatella just because they're going to pitch half their games, of course. So for fantasy purposes, it's not really 
going to make a difference, but I think they have good pitching. Yeah, I see more bat missing potential from Marquez than like Sensatella, for example. I'm sure right. we all do. So I I don't think that in fact I'll he's probably a two star pitcher next week. Marquez, uh, no, he's not. But I'll, I'll look up where he is. You like maybe it's too early, but maybe this is somebody that we should at least consider considering on the road. He will be at Minnesota next week. Yeah, I think you should definitely consider considering. <laughs> Good conviction, conviction from us. Alright, uh, we got a lot more to get to. I was gonna do buy or sell, not sure we'll have time because I wanna read some emails so we could save buy or sell for tomorrow. Uh, but look, I, I wanna talk about watches. I love talking about watches now. I never had a nice watch before, um, but then I learned about movement watches and, you know, watches were just too expensive. I'm not throwing hundreds of dollars down for a watch, but you don't have to now because movement watches are so nice and so affordable. I mean, they start at $95 just by listening to this podcast. You can get 15% off, free shipping, and free returns. Write this URL down. So it's Movement Watches, but the URL is MVMT. That's the letter M both times, as in Maeda. MVMTWatches.com slash FBaseball. MVMTWatches.com slash FBaseball. 15% off what's already a great bargain and a great product. And the company was started by two broke college kids that wanted to wear stylus watches but couldn't afford them. So they just started their own company, and now Movement Watches has sold over a million watches. It's a perfect gift for someone, too, even if that someone is you. So, again, get 15% off today with free shipping and free returns by going to mvmtwatches.com slash fbaseball. Step up your watch game mvmtwatches.com slash fbaseball. Join the movement. And always feel free to tweet me at Adam Azer if you uh, need help with the URLs or the promo codes or anything like that. Let's talk about some early disappointments and you tell me who you're really worried about or who, you know, you're just shaking it off. Trey Turner. Outside of Coors Field this year, take away three freaking games at Coors Field. He's batting 189 with no home runs. Two RBIs, eight runs, six steals, which is good. Five walks, 26 strikeouts, four doubles, no triples. That's Trey Turner taking away three games at Coors Field. He also dealt with an injury, so, you know, keep that in mind. But 189 away from Coors Field? How worried are you about Trey Turner? I'm I'm very worried if I spent a second-round pick on Trey Turner that he is going to deliver that value. I there's no way with him being shortstop eligible, him having the upside that he has, and him hitting atop that lineup that you would consider being worried about whether you're going to be able to start him at shortstop all year. You're going to. He's going to hit better than this. But I, I, I'm I, a little bit concerned by the fact he's striking out 26% of the time. He's not going to walk. There's no reason for that. There's no reason for him striking out so much? Yeah, like his swing strike rate's not up. He's not, he's actually swinging at fewer pitches outside of the strike zone. He's making more contact on those pitches. He's making less contact on pitches in the strike zone, but I don't actually think there's any reason to think that's going to continue. It just kind of, it just seems like one of those things where he's just striking out a lot, but it, there aren't any real red flags for me. Okay. Yeah. Last year, Turner only struck out 59 times in 73 games and had, uh, 14 walks. So it's not like, uh, he had, Great plate discipline, but at least he wasn't striking out even as even once a game this year more than once a game. Uh, is there any shortstop that you would take over Turner now that you wouldn't have at the beginning of the year? Maybe like a Gene Segura. Um, I 
I had him ahead of Corey Seager and Carlos Correa. I, yeah. you could, I think you can flip a three-way coin between the three of them. Yeah, I, I never, I, I did not have him. I, I had him in the Lindor mix. I would rather have Lindor mm-hmm. for sure in a points league. Um, I, I think Segura and Turner are, should probably be in a pretty similar place. All right, that's Trey Turner. Let's move on to our next disappointment. Anthony Rizzo, who is the number 11 first baseman in points leagues, number 16 in Roto. How are you the number 11 first baseman with a 218 batting average? Well, 17 walks to 22 strikeouts. Also six doubles uh, for Rizzo. That's not great. But six home runs, a 218 batting average. And this is a guy who was not great by any means after the All-Star break. I mean, he certainly wasn't first-round great. He had a 591 slugging percentage after the, uh, before the All-Star break, 491 slugging percentage after the All-Star break. Uh kind of kind of buried me in in the one league I owned him in last year after the All-Star break. Uh so yeah, only 11 home runs in that stretch. Anyway, uh, are you worried about Rizzo or is this just a slump? I think it's just a slump. Yeah, I don't like he's not hitting the ball very hard right now, but I don't know that I expect that to continue. He's striking out 13% of the time. I'm not worried about him at all. Okay, the only thing that I need to point out with Rizzo is that I want to look at I think he's been hit by a pitch. You know any idea? Is it eight times? Is that possible? No. Uh yeah, he's routinely among always. the league leaders in that yeah. category. Yeah, so that's always a little bit of a risk with him. But but uh yeah. If you want to put the buy it seems like an obvious one. Buy low on Anthony Rizzo. Yeah, yep. Carlos Gonzalez. Are we almost at the point where we're dropping Carlos Gonzalez? No. Okay. Stay asking. How are we doing this? Why are we worried about Carlos Gonzalez? He's done this three years in a row now, <laughs> yeah. and we're supposed to think that this is the time that it's actually real and not just a slump. Why are you yelling at me? Well, are, are you sitting Carlos Gonzalez? Probably not. Maybe on the road. But, like, he's going to turn it around at some point, right? Like, he will always turn it around after a slow start until the year that he doesn't. Okay, why Why <laughs> is this the year that he doesn't? I'm, no, I'm not saying well, that. Well, no, but, but make the case for it. Um... No, I I don't really have one. Okay. And he's 31 years old. He's yeah, he was 30 battled, last year. Battled injuries throughout he most of his career. Had battle injuries for a long time last year right. too. It's just he had a on May 11th last season he had a 573 OPS. On May 12th it fell to 550, and from that point on he had a an OPS over 900, 936. Yeah. Yep. He Sorry, that was 2015. Fire. Last season, he had a similar. I like, it happens. I, I think it's ridiculous to think about dropping Carlos Gonzalez, but I would totally understand with all the the hitters available, benching him until he starts to hit. Yeah. I, <laughs> a little tangent here. I don't know if I. I think I like daily lineups better than weekly lineups now. But if you play in a lot of leagues, I you know I, daily lineups would get a little annoying if the, all my leagues were. But yep. I think. Arguably my, my biggest issue with the, the weekly format, it's not like it, the format's fault, it's just kind of the way it is. When you bench a hitter, and he gets hot early in the week, and you miss the right. whole week, like it's well, easy so, to bench cargo in a daily league. He has that's good, much better than when you bench a player and he gets hurt on Monday. Well, he gets hurt, yeah, yeah, I get that's that. That's the worst. You, you bench cargo in a daily league, you know, for a day, or against a lefty, or on the road, or something like that. And he has a big game, and okay, you put him in your lineup, you know he gets hot, you know he gets streaky, but uh you do it in a weekly league. It could be you could miss a huge week of production. You could. But uh all right, I digress. Andrew McCutcheon, 
batting 215. I'm actually slightly encouraged by the five home runs. 15 RBIs. He has scored only 15 runs would be nice if Gregory Polanco would hit. And McCutcheon has two steals and three attempts. He has 14 walks to 24 strikeouts and is batting 143 in May. I guess the five home runs and the 14 walks are encouraging, but McCutcheon is off to a bad start. Uh, what do you think about Andrew McCutcheon? I think there's quite a bit of bad luck involved here. Um, he's striking out less than he was last season. He's hitting for a little bit more power. Um, but he's, his Babbitt's dropped 70 points. I don't think that's going to sustain. I'm a little bit worried about the Pirates just being absolutely awful offensively and his run production numbers being down a little bit. I'm not worried about Andrew McCutcheon, the hitter, really at all. Mm. Not sure how that's possible, considering he's gotten worse year after year after year, ended up not really being that good last year. You think he's going to be a 226 BABIP guy? Of course I don't think he's going to be a 226 BABIP guy. I don't think he's going to be a 215 hitter. But, again, this is always the argument I make for Andrew McCutcheon. What does he stand out in? He doesn't stand out in anything anymore except for walks. So in an on-base percentage league or a points league, he's going to be more valuable. But well, I, I think if he gets his BABIP just to where it was last season, not even to his career mark, but just where it was when he, last season, he's probably a 280-290 hitter. He's he's a slightly better version of Adam Jones, but maybe not because I think he might hit four or five fewer home runs than Adam Jones. Yeah, I, I I would expect he's going to hit 280, 290, which is very helpful because I think in we were just looking our roto league Scott I believe was leading in batting average at 269. Wow, so we might wow. want to lower the uh, parameter for what helps in average. Sure, okay, good point. He will be less valuable if the offense is bad, but I I think he hits 25 home runs. I think he hits 280, and he should have at least 75 runs in RBI. All right, that's Andrew McCutcheon. Jason Kipnis had a good game yesterday, thankfully, but he's batting 175, hasn't homebird yet. Uh, is there anything here other than this is just a slow start from a guy who missed a lot of time, Jason Kipnis? I'm giving him the free pass yeah. for at least another couple weeks. I mean, I'm not starting him, but I'm giving him a free pass. Okay. He's been a pretty consistent player that I feel like if you buy low on him, you might not get a great player, but from this point on, You'll probably get a top 10 or 12 second baseman at worst, yeah. I think, for Kipnis. So. The only thing is, like, he did hit the 23 home runs last year, but it's kind of easy to question the same thing you just asked about Andrew McCutcheon. And the reason we thought that he'd easily be a top 10 second baseman is because second base had been so bad. Second base is deeper this year. I I think he's it's very likely that he's a borderline startable second baseman. I think that Kipnis is the kind of guy who – he has just fi- found a way to put up numbers because he's just a good player. And, like, there's been a couple of 30-steal seasons. Last year he had the career high in home runs. He had the career big-time career high in home run to fly ball ratio. Uh, but he'll score runs. He'll, he had a big doubles year. Like, he, he's been a weird hitter and a little bit unpredictable. But at the end of the year, the numbers are always there for Kipnis. That's my overall take on him. I feel like they'll be there again this year, one way or the other. Uh, Alex Bregman, who's getting concerned, he's batting 257 with no home runs. He's walking a bit, 13 walks, to 23 strikeouts. But uh, Bregman, are you know, is it more than just a slow start at this point? I mean, there there aren't a lot of positive indicators here. Uh, he's hit a ton of infield fly balls to go along with not having any home runs. Uh, he's hitting a lot more ground balls than he was last season. Exit velocity data is just kind of middling. There's not 
<clears throat> there's not really any sense that he's doing anything special and just getting bad luck right now. So you're kind of just betting on pedigree right now. I'm not dropping Alex Bregman. I'm not starting Alex Bregman. Yeah. Would you take Alex Bregman or Miguel Sano rest of season? Sano easily. Alex Bregman or Jake Lamb? I probably have to look at my rankings. Um, It's close. Okay. Uh, In the bullpen, Jairus Familia got lit up. Before yesterday, he had given up one run in nine innings. Uh, Senwano, not as good as Trevor Rosenthal. He has one strikeout in his last four appearances, and on the year, seven walks, 13 strikeouts, and 17 and two-thirds. I actually wrote about O a couple of days ago in my regression piece, and just that he has this stretch now of, I think, nine straight appearances without allowing an earned run. He's not been Senwano from last year. No. The strikeout rate's down, the whip's up, but... Like you can downgrade Sangwano all you want, he's still a top sixteen or seventeen closer because he, there's a pretty steep drop off after him. I mean, they're not—he's not, not going to lose his job based on peripherals. He has to give up some runs, right? And I don't know that he will. I still feel fine with him, but but I do want to point out that if you need middle relief help, Trevor Rosenthal has three walks, twenty-one strikeouts, and he's been awesome. So, uh, Neftali Feliz. 517 ERA, my goodness. He does have a 1.15 whip, which probably means the ERA should come down a bit. But a walk in four straight appearances. This was a non-save situation. Ugh. $3 Neftali Feliz. Cody Allen struggled in a non-save situation, and Derek Law struggled yesterday. And he had only allowed one earned run in his previous 11 appearances. But after yesterday, Bruce Bochy said he will mix it up at closer. Anything to say about Familia or, or Feliz or Allen or Law? I think you forgot about the best and most important in the bullpen of all from yesterday. That Chris and I's plan of planting Brad Brock on your roster to run <laughs> your ERA and WHIP worked in the For the People League this week. This week, are we playing each other? No, oh. we just we just want you to be in last place. <laughs> and he destroyed. You. He did. He's. Are, oh, are how did I not put Brad Brock in that section? What the hell's the matter with me? Yeah, he was he, terrible. He the, got the, bombed. The one thing with Derek Law, I mean, I'll point out that. Neftali Feliz just isn't good at all right now, and if they have anybody who's better, like it's it wouldn't take a lot to be better than him right now. Um, and Derek Law, it's kind of the same thing. Is that like okay, Bruce Bochy's going to mix and match things in the Giants bullpen. Good luck. They've got uh, is Hunter Str- how's Hunter Strickland doing? Could not tell you off the top of my yeah, head. I gotta I be know. honest. You yeah, come on. Um, but <laughs> like we don't think Hunter Strickland's been pretty pretty good. Um, we we don't think Blanton's gonna be out very long, right? Like no. that's why I didn't get I didn't put any of the Giants relievers in waiver wire yesterday because I'm not going. I can't start him this week. And by the time Sunday rolls around, I expect Blanton's only a couple days away. So I don't know when I'd ever use them. Would we be looking at who would be look, who would we be looking at in uh, Milwaukee? Oh, uh, I always forget his last name. I think their best reliever so far this year has been Barnes. Is it uh, possibly Jacob Barnes? Yeah, 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 yeah. And he he's been pretty good, and he's looked really good, especially against right-handed batters. You know, I watch a lot of Miller Park. You do, sure. <laughs> Um, I I think he's their best reliever. I don't think Feliz is losing the job anytime soon. Okay. Why not? 
Well, he's got to blow some saves, you know. It's terrible. Yep. Yeah. Fernando, he's not doing, oh, he's Fernando just, Rodney is still a closer. He's just not doing anything well right now. <laughs> Fernando Rodney's still a closer. Wow. Uh, all right. The the big news: Mike Trout could play today. Rich Hill through five hitless innings in a rehab start should be back next week. Rich Hill is eighty-seven percent owned. Ryan Braun left with calf tightness. Hanley Ramirez played first base, but he left the game with an upper back spasm. He's had some shoulder soreness this season. I imagine once they can DH him, it won't be a problem. Michael Conforto sat with hamstring tightness. He uh, pinch hit is expected to play on Friday. Kendris Morales is day-to-day with a hamstring strain. You Darvish, talk about strand rate. You Darvish had a streak of of hitters going 0 for 36 with runners in scoring position against him. That's dating back to last season. It was snapped last night. Is that... Uh, does that sound your regression alarms? Is Dar- Darvish was had he must have a crazy high strand rate. Sounds like he's really just bearing down when it matters most. Unlike Manny Machado, yeah. Okay. Oh, uh, Andrew Tolles is out for the season with a torn ACL. So Cody Bellinger, there is there is no way Cody Bellinger is leaving that lineup, right? No, I would say with this news that Adrian Gonzalez made progress in recovery from his recent injury. <laughs> Uh, Brian Dozier and Ian Kinsler should be back today, and David Price is scheduled for a rehab assignment this weekend. Still to come on the show, we've got, uh, what are we? We got a lot of emails. Deep League players, Lance Lynn struggling, Andrew Triggs, Francisco Liriano, Joe Musgrove, Matt Boyd, players like that. Also, lineup stuff and minor leaguers to keep in mind, but I need to tell you about draft. I am challenging Heath and Chris right now. To a daily fantasy contest. Yeah, that's right. We should play some daily fantasy tonight on the Draft app. Everyone download Draft. Search Draft in your app store. It's going to be the first result. We got a promo code for you. Be sure to enter the promo code FB today. When you download, you will get a 100% bonus on up to 600 bucks when you deposit. That's up to 600 free dollars. Use the promo code FB today. When you download Draft. Look, if the three of us compete on Draft, here's how it would work. We'll have to fill out a lineup with two pitchers and three hitters. We'll do a snake draft. When it's done, we can draft another round. We can play for money. We can play for free. We can also do drafts of up to ten people. So there are really a lot of fun options on the Draft app. And your chances of winning money on Draft are almost three times better than your chances of winning on FanDuel or DraftKings. It's just another reason to start playing right now. So join us. Download Draft now. Search Draft in the App Store. It will come up first. And enter the promo code FB today. When you download, you're going to get a 100% bonus on up to 600 bucks when you deposit. FB today. All right, D. Gordon's been batting ninth two games in a row. They had JT Realmuto there two days ago at leadoff. They had Derek Dietrich leading off yesterday. Gordon did steal two bases yesterday, but he's batting ninth. Jonathan VR sat yesterday, so Keon Broxton was uh, in the leadoff spot. VR came in as an injury replacement for Braun. They moved Perez around. Uh, Shinsu Chu has let off two straight games. I was happy to see that the Shields got back in the lineup yesterday after sitting two days ago, but he batted ninth to Shields. He drew a couple walks, I think. He scored two runs. Had a good game. But Chu, like his OBP is it's like around 380 or something like that. He's been getting on base very well. Uh, and Chu is 43% owned. Derek Dietrich is third base eligible in your deep leagues. He's replacing Prado and playing every day, and that's Dietrich. And Chris Owings is now second base eligible. Um, but you're looking at Gordon batting ninth and Chu leading off. I think are the two big ones here. Does that what does that mean for you guys, if anything? I think they're probably just batting D Gordon until he gets his batting average over 280, and then he'll probably be right back in the st- in the leadoff spot. 
Chu is somebody that was mostly overlooked. We just kind of assumed that uh, between injuries and age, he was uh, not going to be very good this year. And if he hits leadoff for the rest of the year, he's he's probably going to be a startable in both formats. Shinsu Chu? Yep. All right. Well, he's got a few steals, but that's has not really been the case with him. Like, I'm not that excited. Shinsu Chu's been pretty bad for a couple years now, right? Um, really just last year. Yeah. Last Two year. years ago he was good. Yeah. Alright, my bad. Okay. And he only played 48 games last year, so. He will be 35 years old in July. But yeah, the walks are encouraging. Chu has a 370, what is it? What's it? 383. 383. There it is. There you are. 383 on base percentage. That's what, that's the thing is like, Five outfielder league, of course he's gonna be one of the top 60 outfielders, I think, if he's leading off, and his best format is points, so he may be top 36 in that format. Minor leaguers to keep in mind, well I guess Lewis Brinson should be on your radar with Braun getting hurt every other day, it seems. Abraham Almonte's day to day, and I mean, the Indians could definitely squeeze Bradley Zimmer into their lineup, and he's been hitting well in the minors, another outfielder, and Jose Barrios could make a start on Saturday. Should we pick up Jose Barrios before it's too late? I own him in sure. a couple of leagues. Yeah, I I think he's a decent stash. I did read something yesterday that said if the Twins keep him down until like June 20th, it will buy them another year of free agency. June 20th. Yeah, wow. that's a ways away. But what are the Twins playing for? Yeah. Well, my birthday is June 19th, so Barrios would be a good candidate for the since my birthday thing that we did a lot last year. A lot of guys turned it around on I, June 19th. I don't <laughs> remember that ever being a thing. Oh, it was a thing. It was a big thing. You know, like on, on this podcast. Oh yeah, toward the you know toward the end of the year it was basically being Scott every day on the podcast because you oh, yeah. sold us out for football. So I think, like, who was? I think it was Irvin Santana. I think he was the original since my birthday guy. Uh, it, it was. A, it's a magical day. It's really well, Adam. Adam, you are the world. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Chris. Uh, let's read an email from Randy in Fawn Township, Pennsylvania. Doesn't I just doesn't sound real to me. Sounds fake. Fawn Township? Yeah. Definitely real. I mean, I'm sure it's real. It just doesn't sound real. Who would make it up? Be unrealistic to make that up, sure. Uh, I would like to recommend more talk about players that haven't broken out yet, in particular in deeper leagues. Randy thinks that we dismiss deep league guys a little bit too easily. We might be a little bit too uh, mixed league reliant or, or focused, I guess, or centric. And I kind of agree. So are there any deep league guys right now? that you think could be staples of deep leagues and perhaps potentially make the uh, the mixed league roster. What's our cutoff for a deep league guy? Because I one guy is at 30% uh, is Domingo Santana. Mm-hmm. He has cut his strikeout rate quite a bit at the start of this year. I don't know for sure. It's still a small enough sample size that I'm not sure if this is an improvement in skill or just a, a good fortunate run. But... He he is somebody that I could see really kind of turning it on soon. Domingo Santana, okay, he's probably a little bit too owned, but it's fine. Uh, any any other name? I mean, I have some names in the notes, uh, but you know, anyone for you guys? I, I, by the way, I think Derek Dietrich. I'll probably forget to say it. Derek Dietrich in a deeper league is not going to be useless, right? Uh, he needs to hit. He hasn't been very good this season, but he can be a cheap source of power when he gets going. Yeah. Yeah. Probably better in on-base percentage leagues, though. Right, right. 
Uh, ben Gamble, any interest in him? He's 12% owned. He's batting 373, slugging 588 on base a lot. Ben Gamble? Yeah, because I think he's probably still just a short-term fix until Hanniger's back, but that could be another month. Um, and there's always the possibility that Hanniger comes back and Gerard Dyson becomes a fourth outfielder. And, you know, if if that did happen, then the and Leonis Martinez cut, the whole thing about the Mariners having this amazing outfield defense would change, like, a lot. Yeah. It would. Uh, by the way, four of their of their starting five pitchers are on the DL now. Iwakuma on the DL. It's crazy. TJ Rivera. Terry Collins says it's going to be hard to take TJ Rivera out of the lineup. He's 6% owned. He's 28 years old and batting 300. He batted 333 last year in 33 games. Any interest in TJ Rivera in a deeper league? <laughs> no, I'm, like, I'm not. This is the thing is once you say in a deeper league, like depending on what the depth of the league is, mm-hmm. the answer can be yes. It's just like how helpful is that? Like in a deep league, anybody's relevant. It's true. Yeah. All right. So, so, it, so yeah. Tell me who's good then. Who's actually going to you know be good? And then same Justin Bohr. Justin Bohr. Okay. Good God. Nine seventy one OPS over his last eleven games. My large adult son Justin Bohr is doing great things. They haven't faced any lefties, I guess. Uh, I don't know. Justin Bohr is not a bad hitter. I mean. We thought he was going to play every day. We we're talking about him as a potential sleeper. He is playing. He is playing every day. He's just that's part of the problem. Can't hit left. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, Justin Bohr is a very nice first baseman in a deep league. I was just trolling Chris. Yeah, that's, I, I enjoyed it. It's been Hosmer esque lately. <laughs> He's not quite Eric Hosmer. Chris has this strange thing where he thinks that Justin Bohr is as good as Eric Hosmer. No, that's not true. Um, right. Obviously not true. Yeah. Now and he has the strange things where he. Disregards everything he believes when it comes to uh, Royals players. <laughs> I said he's average, which is not true. It's he's true. Average. Come on, come on now. Uh, what was I going to say? Oh yeah, okay. These three guys. These three guys are owned in between twenty-four and thirty-three percent of leagues, and they are hot right now. Jason Worth is batting two ninety-nine with six home runs, but in his last six games, he's batting four eighty with three home runs. Jason Worth also a uh, very good. Plate disciplinary, 16 walks, 33 strikeouts this year, so that's nice to see for Worth. Logan Morrison is the number 16 first baseman in points, number 12 in Roto, with improved plate discipline. Only 4 for 18 with no extra base hits against lefties, but he's mashing righties Logan Morrison, 27% owned, 9 homers. And Danny Valencia, he uh, homered and doubled yesterday in the 11 games prior, batted three thirty three with 3 home runs and 9 RBIs, so... Uh, Valencia has uh, turned his season around, and he's 24% owned. Jason Worth, Logan Morrison, Danny Valencia, are any of these guys, obviously they need to be owned in deep leagues, but are any of these guys mixed league relevant right now? I, Jason Worth went through stretches like this last season, but the overall numbers were very lacking. I just, I, I find it hard to be excited about him in anything more than deep league. Uh, the interesting thing about Worth is his hot streak kind of coincides with being moved up in the order when Adam Eaton got hurt. He's been hitting second since April 30th. He's got a 350, 447, 625 slash line since then. The one thing that I would say for sure is he's going to get a lot better pitches to hit, hitting in front of Bryce Harper. So Uh, would he excite you the most in this group of Worth, Logan Morrison, and Danny Valencia? Yes, for me for sure. Probably. Okay, Jason Worth is the winner there. And moving on, 
to the rest of yesterday. Here are some emails from the people from Stephen Cincinnati. A question based on Friday's podcast discussion around the changing pitching landscape. I'm in a points league with no starting pitcher or relief pitcher specific requirements. Uh, I wonder if I should consider drafting nine closers next year. No, not in that format, I don't think. The, the closers just don't score enough points. Well, and how many closers keep their job all year? That's It's been volatile as well. Yeah, it, it points leagues reward innings. But in a roto league... In head-to-head categories, I've pretty much gotten to the point where I think closer heavy and reliever heavy is the way to go. Yeah. Um, but the reason you do that is because you don't want to invest a lot in your draft. And so drafting nine closers, I don't know about that. So of your, of your nine relief pitchers, how many of them ideally would be closers? I've been going four or five. Yeah, four, I think. Because that'll ideal. get you the saves category. Right. Right. And then once you've got saves category locked up, who would you rather have? Uh, I'm not going to say Andrew Miller because he's too high-end, but, you know, somebody like Andrew Miller, maybe a little worse, or Neftali Feliz is going to get you saves. Obviously, you'd rather have the the whip ERA guy and the strikeout guy. Yeah. So, yeah. How's that working out for you guys, Team Kreef, in the podcast for the People League? We're we're really having a nice week. This week, we're sitting at 500. Things are looking up. But the problem is we didn't draft good hitters. We had a really bad first week. Yeah, we didn't. Our, and then Cabrera went on the DL. Yeah. It's been a whole. Things are going to be fine. We have Miguel Cabrera, Andrew McCutcheon. Um, well, then you're other, in trouble with McCutcheon. Other bad hitters. Yeah, not as many as we have. So next email is from Keenan. Hey, Danny, Luke, Matt, and Jessica. Danny, Luke, Matt, and Jessica. The defenders. Oh, very good. I don't know who they are. What should I do with Michael Franco? I'm starting to wonder if Franco will manage to put it all together this year. Is he droppable, or should I brave the storm? I'm hanging on to him until the end of May. His profile looks good. He's good. And he's got all those great hitters going to be on base in front of him. <laughs> who are the defenders? Uh The Marvel Netflix series. Oh, okay. Brandon in Florida, if Yonder Alonso was playing first base and a batter hits a liner over his head into right field, where did the batter hit the ball? He hit it over Yonder. It's good. Yeah, good we, job, Brandon. We used to make that joke in college because, you know, for when Yonder Alonso was there and uh, when he would hit a home run, we would say he hit it over Yonder. But, uh, but this makes more sense. This is an email from Jeff. Would you drop Kevin Kiermeyer for Jackie Bradley Jr.? I wanted to talk about Jackie Bradley Jr. Another guy I think is a buy-low candidate. And I know Scott had him as a rankings faller. He sat two days in a row for Chris Young. Actually, no, he sat like four days in a row or something for Chris Young. Back in the lineup yesterday, and he homered. This is another guy like Carlos Gonzalez. He is so streaky. So I don't see any reason why there wouldn't be a streak coming, a hot streak coming for Bradley who homered. I think there will be. I mean, the obvious difference is he's not Carlos Gonzalez. You do have to wonder if the knee's not 100% healthy. He's been playing with a knee brace. They They've said it's not an issue, but, you know, that's a concern, I guess. You say he's not Carlos Gonzalez, but I feel like, I feel like over the last two years, he's probably been as good or better than Carlos Gonzalez. I Jackie think Bradley. that's a little bit ridiculous. I'm serious in the, in the standings. It, like, I'm just wondering where they, I'll, t- I'll tell you where they ranked last year. But let's read the yeah, next I mean, email. He was probably pretty similar last year. I would guess Carlos Gonzalez. He, he had 26 homers, 94 runs, 87 RBI. Um, he wasn't Carlos Gonzalez in 2015. 
because Carlos Gonzalez hit like 40 home runs. But, but 2015 was the year where Jackie Bradley had that ridiculous streak where he was. He, played, he had 255 plate appearances. And yeah. He had 249. Oh, Bradley had. He only, got going only that late many. in the season that year. Okay, so he just didn't play as many games. Okay, well, I mean, he's got he's got almost 1,500 career plate appearances with the 719 OPS. He's not. He perfect. was he was so bad though at the yeah, beginning of his career, like so bad. They got demoted. He's clearly, he's clearly a different player than he was the first like 700 plate appearances. Jackie Bradley Jr. finished ahead of Carlos Gonzalez last year in both points and roto. They were very close, but just Jackie Bradley Jr. was a top. Oh no, he finished. Uh, okay, he finished two spots ahead in points, three spots behind in roto. So I would say that they basically were the same last year. Uh, yep. This is an email from Wasim in Iowa. Dear Supraspinatus, Infraspinatus, Terrace Minor, and Subscapularis. The four bustles of the rotator cuff. I was going to say like Zodiac signs or something. Has Gene Segura solidified his status as a fantasy star? Um... He's solidified his status as one of the six best shortstops for sure. He's very good. He's yeah. I would I would say he might be a fantasy star. So shortstops, uh, we would take Machado over over Segura. Yes. Seager Correa over Segura. Yes. And then it's you know then it's probably debatable, right? Between Lindor. I would still take Turner over Turner and Lindor over him. Bogarts? But he's, I think he's right there with Bogarts. Not a bad little top seven there. Some good players. It's just everything else at the position. <laughs> yeah. Except for Jed Jerko, who's awesome, apparently. And Zach Cozart, who's better than Jed Jerko, apparently. Um, according to Fantasy Points, anyway. Jonathan from New Jersey, our last email. Hey, Jimmy, Robert, John, and John. Uh, this is a band that you probably have terrible opinions about. Like yeah, they're not good. Else. They're not good Led Zeppelin. Zeppelin. Shut up. Not good. No, 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 no. Let me rephrase. Let me rephrase. They are. They're great. They're a great band. Tremendously talented. They don't really do it for me. Not, not a huge fan, but they are a great band. You just have bad taste in music. I. It's okay. I just didn't really like the British invasion. That's basically what it is. I'm sorry. I'm a patriotic guy. I just. No, I, I like the Beatles, but the Who, Pink Floyd, Zeppelin, Stones, not a fan. Uh, Zobris is my starting second baseman in a 14-team head-to-head categories league, and Zobris has been struggling. Are any of these guys listed worth a pickup? TJ Rivera, Jed Lowry, Ryan Schimpf, Colton Wong. Not over Zobris. How does Schimpf rank in head-to-head points? Because he walks so much, he hits for power. This is a categories. Oh, categories. Yeah, that's that's tough because he is going to kill your batting average. But, uh, but- uh, you don't have to drop Zobris, but maybe, right, but just taking this question for what it is, are these guys worth a pickup? TJ Rivera, Jed Lowry, Ryan Schimpf, Colton Wong. Schimpf in a 14 team league should be owned. And, and I don't mind picking up Wong if you need help right away. Uh, not the Wong move. <laughs> Lowry has been, uh, slightly better than Colton Wong for what that's worth. And he has 15 okay. walks and 20 strikeouts. All these guys, except Rivera. Rivera, I don't think you need to pick up. Yeah. But Rivera playing so well is probably bad news for Lucas Duda. They might platoon at, at the very least. Some more from yesterday. Uh, let's do the pitchers. Andrew Triggs. Andrew Triggs had a good start. I don't know how he's doing it. 
Francisco Liriano was <laughs> terrible. Yeah, it's Triggs magic. Liriano was terrible, and Wade Miley is good at run prevention, but bad at walking, at not walking people. He has 23 walks and 36 and two-thirds. Uh, Triggs, Liriano, Miley. Rank them. That's the order. Yeah, I think it is. Like, I, I'm not particularly – Triggs is the only guy that I'm making sure is owned in my league. But that's the order I'd put them in. They are all two-start pitchers next week. I would say Miley has the best matchups at Detroit and home against Toronto. But, uh, man, yeah, all I these walks. No way. Well, would you well, – okay, okay, how about Triggs then? Triggs is uh, at Seattle and at home against Boston. Nope. Uh, probably not. Maybe. And you could not pay me to start Francisco Liriano. You could pay me, but I, I don't want to start Liriano. Uh, should we drop Liriano? 70% owned. Yeah, that's another one. If I play in a league with, uh, daily lineups, if Russell Martin's behind the plate, then maybe I'll start him. Well, Russell Martin is on the DL. Yeah. So that's not a so, good thing. <laughs> not gonna start him next week. So you can drop him. Alrighty. I, I feel like if you have a guy on your roster that you're it has a two week start coming up, two start week coming up, and you're not going to start him. I don't know why he's on your roster. I, you know, I thought I mean, about depends. that because like Andrew who Church I, has two really st- tough starts next week. Who am I dropping Liriano for? Let, let's read this group of pitchers: Joe Musgrove, second quality start of the season; Matt Cain, we don't believe in Matt Cain; Matt Boyd, we don't really believe in Matt Boyd; Jaime Garcia. Uh, Jason Hamill. I be- I tried to believe in Jason Hamill. He burned me yesterday. Luis Perdomo, Zach Eflin, Jesse Chavez, Armand Marquez, Tommy Malone, Zach Godley. These guys pitched yesterday. Uh, who would I? Dr- yeah. Not to say that you can only drop Liriano. That'd be a fun game. You're only allowed to drop players for other players who pitched on the same day. But like, it's just this is pitching. Pitching stinks. I would I would hold on to a guy who had two starts that I wasn't comfortable with if I felt like he had a lot of uh, potential. Which I think is the case for Liriano. Yeah. I wouldn't drop him. Maybe I'd drop him for Musgrove. I, I think I'd rather have Boyd. Maybe. That's the one I was thinking, but I'm not super comfortable starting Zach Boyd or Matt Boyd either. I, I'm not either, and it's, it's mostly just ageism that's shining through here, but every time Francisco Liriano has a terrible start, I think he's done forever. I think that if you need a win next week and you can't afford to wait anymore, then maybe Armand Marquez one start at Minnesota. I'd rather have Armand Marquez on my on my team than Liriano, I think. Yeah. Because at least with Marquez, I know I can start him on the road. Maybe. I mean, Do you? I, I, like, that's my plan. He's made he's, two starts on the road. He's made one the, start on the road. The point is, I would start. I know when I'm going to start him. I don't know that it'll work out well, but I know what the plan is. With Francisco Liriano, I'm going to start him when he's awful. And then I'm going to sit him because I'm mad at him, and he's going to throw six shutout innings. <laughs> and then I'm going to start him when he's awful again. Yeah. Yeah, but that might also be the case with Herman Marquez, except he might not be good ever. Well, then I will throw out some two-star pitchers like Kyle Freeland, Dan no. Straley, CC Sabathia, Matt Boyd, who is Baltimore. I'd probably Texas. start Straley over Lariano at this point if he has two starts. He does. Houston at home and at the Dodgers. That's that's tough. Uh, yeah. Jason Hamill has the Yankees at home and at Minnesota. Like, yeah, I, I would start Hamill over Liriano. <laughs> I, was there anything? I watched a lot of the Jason Hamill start. 
he pitched out of the stretch exclusively, I think. That's the second straight start, and one before that was really good. I was disappointed. I mean, well, I he's not, like, he's not a good pitcher. He's, <laughs> he is a guy. He kind of the, I feel like he's kind of the opposite of Liriano. Except that he did just have a blowout, but he still went seven innings at least. It is a shame that CC Sabathia is pitching so poorly because he's at Kansas City and at Tampa Bay next week. And I do think he's going to have a good stretch where he's usable. I don't think he'll have a good stretch with strikeouts or anything like that, but he needs to get, he needs to work on his fastball command and get inside on, on righties. That's been killing him. He hasn't been able to locate that pitch. When he does, he's going to have an, like, the same thing happened last year. I think Sabathia is not going to be completely useless for the rest of the season. But of all the two-star pitchers I'm looking at, he strikes me, Sabathia, as the one with the best matchups next week. And he's still 41% owned, and that should tell you something, because he's got a 10-34 ERA in his last three starts. Well, he's also a name. Yeah, I guess. Man. Man, it's rough out there. (laughs) Uh, News and notes, Iwakuma DL, Brandon Crawford coming off the DL today. uh, Brandon Belt is three for his last 31. We could probably talk about him maybe tomorrow. Junior Guerra will make a rehab start on Monday. Dexter Fowler expected to start tomorrow. Addison Russell sat with a sore shoulder. It does not seem serious. And Tyson Ross. Oh, you need a pitcher? Tyson Ross is working his way back. Still a ways away, but um, he's working his way back as he recovers from thoracic outlet syndrome. Let's take a look at today's matchups and tell me who you're starting and who you're sitting. I don't even know how many games there are today. There are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine games. Early ones. We got Jason Vargas and Jake Odorizzi. Start them both in Tampa? Yeah, sure. Eduardo Rodriguez and Jimmy Nelson. What do you think? I'm starting Rodriguez. Dylan... I'm not sure with Braun out, the Brewers lineup is very good against lefties. I guess Braun's not officially out yet, but I'm expecting that. Dylan Bundy and A.J. Cole tonight. You don't feel great about Dylan Bundy against Washington, but I don't know how you're sitting him. Yeah, this will be an interesting one. But yeah, how, do you, how do you sit a guy with a 217 ERA and a 105 whip? Uh, Dallas Keuchel and Michael Pineda. Start both of them. Chase DeYoung and Marco Estrada. Start Estrada and hope he keeps pitching like this. Coming off a bad start, but yeah, he's off a... Off to a good start this year. I think there were more than nine games that goes wrong. Uh, Clayton Richard and Martin Perez is the Padres are at the Rangers. Any interest Pass. in Perez? Padres? No? Not at all. Phil Hughes and Derek Holland. Twins at White Sox. Nope. Maybe Holland, but it's going to end. The other shoe's going to drop pretty soon. Yeah, he's not good. Hyunjin Ryu and Tyler Anderson. Dodgers at Rockies. This is in Colorado. Hyunjin Ryu. Ass. Nope, nope, nope. Okay. Garrett Cole and Zach Granke. We'll start them both. Yep. Starting Michael Fulmer. How about Jose Ramirez as the Angels host uh, the Tigers? Nope. No? J.C. No. Ramirez, by the way, not Jose Ramirez. Nope, nope, nope. And Bronson Arroyo and Ty Block. Nope. No. Yeah, Pass. Pitching sucks. Thank you for listening. Terrible. Yeah. (laughs) Much worse than we could have expected. Thank you for listening, everybody. Appreciate it. For Heath and Chris, I'm Adam. We're back tomorrow. We'll help you with the two-star pitchers and recap Thursday's stuff. Wow. God, I've been doing this for eight years. (laughs) 
I can't end a show. I can't end a show. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs>